Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 444 Monday, January 31st. Coming up on today's show, we learned a lot about the SEC and the Big 12 SEC Challenge. The Memphis Grizzlies are on a winning streak. The U.S. men's national team falls to Canada. But, of course, we begin with the matchup in Super Bowl 56 and what exactly Titans fans were rooting for on Championship Sunday. The 440 is built for you every single Monday through Friday for free by the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. Go look at their work. If you're about to make a really big financial decision about your house, you should do so with all of the best possible information. And this is what the Kingston Group delivers for you time-honored, successful, award-winning, locally owned, all the best things, and taking all of the hassle out of renovations. Kingston Group, buildkg.com. Check out the website, and remember the name, the Kingston Group. Before we get into the Super Bowl matchup, I just have a question for for Titans fans, and this goes for Packers fans as well, considering those are the two teams I would root for in either the AFC or the NFC. And I'm just curious, if the team that beats you in the divisional round goes on to the championship game and then wins and goes to the Super Bowl, does it make the loss hurt less? Does it take the sting off the loss because that team was on a mission? From one perspective, you can look at the Cincinnati Bengals and you can say, look, the Joe Burrow is on to the Super Bowl and there was nothing stopping him. They were good enough to go beat Kansas City on the road, which means there's no shame in losing to the Bengals at home in the divisional round, especially in a really close game where you had a chance to win. I just think you can you can see it from that side. The other side of it is, does it make it more painful to see the Cincinnati Bengals go on to the Super Bowl? Because it means your team was probably good enough to probably get to the Super Bowl. Now, it took a Joe Burrow comeback from a historic deficit and an unbelievable defensive performance against Patrick Mahomes in the second half. So again, I, I can't tell what it is. Does it make it easier when the team that beats you goes on to the Super Bowl in the next round? Or does it make it worse? I, I honestly can't figure it out. I, I think I would lean towards easier and just say, look, this team was so good that they're in the Super Bowl. There's no shame in losing to a team that good and playing that well. And I just, I guess that's the way I would look at it if I I was a Titans fan. I have no idea if the Chiefs could come here to win. I have no idea if the Titans would have won that game. Um, But the Cincinnati Bengals are in the Super Bowl, and no one ever should be surprised at anything that Joe Burrow has ever accomplished. Super Bowl 56 will feature the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow against the Los Angeles Rams and Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford. And there are a boatload of storylines that are very interesting, of course, as there is in every Super Bowl as we head into the final game of the football calendar year. Of course, Sean McVay now in his second Super Bowl trip, this time with Matthew Stafford instead of Jared Goff. I do wonder what the Jared Goff Super Bowl party would look like coming up in two two weekends. So his legacy in the modern era of coaches in the NFL, now with two trips to the Super Bowl, if he were to win one of those two trips to the Super Bowl, sort of justifies all the McVay hype we've seen through all the coaching ranks. So that's a big storyline there. I think Matthew Stafford is another really big storyline. Very clearly, his move to Los Angeles from Detroit proves that where you get drafted and what organization you play for and the people that are around you have a huge role in how your career plays out in the NFL. Brady is not Brady without Belichick, and Belichick is not Belichick without Brady. Matthew Stafford is proof positive of this, that if you, in one year away from a bad organization, you can end up in the Super Bowl. That That is the difference between being a Detroit Lion and being a Los Angeles Ram. The Cincinnati Bengals, of course, there's great storylines there with Joe Burrow, a Heisman Trophy winner and a national champion in his second year at LSU, now in his second year in Cincinnati and in the league. They go from four wins to the Super Bowl. 
I don't think Joe Burrow has a roster in particular on defense that is comparable to either the Titans, who they beat already, and the Chiefs, who they beat already, or the Rams. And I guess it hasn't mattered in the last two games, so I suppose it probably shouldn't matter in a matchup with the Rams, where the Rams are going to have better personnel at almost every position. Add to the underdog story, and you have one of the most unlikely Super Bowl champions of all time with the Bengals. You have a native son, an Ohio kid from a small town who led his team to a championship, returning the Cincinnati Bengals to glory, their first playoff win in over three decades, and now they're back in the Super Bowl since the 1980s. So that's an enormous storyline that I imagine most Americans are going to be rooting for Cincinnati and Joe Burrow over the Los Angeles Rams. Speaking of Los Angeles, that brings us to another interesting storyline, which is the home field advantage, maybe, that the Los Angeles Rams may have in the Super Bowl. They are going to be, of course, playing in their home building at SoFi Stadium. After never happening in the history of the NFL and the Super Bowl, it has now happened two years in a row. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl in their home stadium last season, and now the Rams have a chance to play in their home stadium in the Super Bowl. Also, the halftime show. I have never been excited about a halftime show, maybe ever in the history of my adult life. Certainly, I was excited about Michael Jackson and a few others in the 90s. But this particular halftime show, the hip-hop genre, I love the fact that they're from the area. You've got Dr. Dre, Snoop, Mary J. Blige, Eminem. you got the whole deal there during the halftime show. Legitimately interesting halftime performance, so all in on that. I think you have two really interesting quarterbacks, two really interesting teams, two really interesting offensive head coaches. I just think it's going to be a really great game. I'm glad the Niners and Garoppolo, as much as I love the Shanahan offense, aren't playing in this game. It would have been fun to see Rams and Chiefs, but I'll take the upstart Joe Burrow Bengals any day of the week. It's a fantastic story, and I think the, the, the state of Ohio is, you know, they've been out of the NFL in the bright spotlight of the Super Bowl for almost 40 years. So uh, going to be fun to watch Cincinnati and L.A. in Super Bowl 56 coming up in a couple of weekends, February 13th, that is. The SEC won the Big 12 SEC Challenge over the weekend, six games to four. And as expected, the event didn't disappoint, as the SEC did quite well in the big-ticket games. Kentucky went into number 5 Kansas and ran through a very good Jayhawks team, adding a critical non-conference true road win to their resume. It was Kansas's first home loss of the entire season. The Wildcats scored 51 points in the first half as Kentucky played one of their most impressive games of the season. I know Auburn is really, really good, but this Kentucky team, for me and my money, is the best in the SEC. Keon Brooks scored 27 points and Oscar Sheboy had 17 points and 14 rebounds. Speaking of Auburn, the Tigers dispatched of Oklahoma pretty easily, winning their 20th game of the season before the calendar even gets to February. Alabama was typical Alabama, playing to the level of their competition yet again. This time, the result was a great one as the Crimson Tide toppled number four Baylor for yet another elite resume win to go along with a lot of questionable losses. Jaden Shackelford continued his red-hot play with 19 points, 9 rebounds, and 5 assists. Number 19 LSU was upset by TCU, and Florida, Ole Miss, and Arkansas each won a home game against an underdog on Saturday in the Challenge. Two of the best defensive teams in America got together in Austin as Rick Barnes returned to his former stomping grounds. And man, did it look like two great defensive teams. Neither team reached 30 points in either half as Texas won 52-51 in a low-scoring defensive struggle. The Vols shot just 35% from the floor, 27% from three, and just 50% from the free throw line. Going into the game and for the rest of the SEC slate, Kennedy Chandler is expected to step into a larger role. If you are going to prove that you are a five-star lottery pick talent, it needs to show up in big situations against high-level competition. 
and no one in the backcourt on Saturday showed up against that stifling Texas defense. Chandler and Santiago Vescovi combined to shoot 5 of 19 from the floor, including a combined 0 for 7 from 3. The two scored a grand total of 11 points, which is not good enough. The Longhorns are a bad matchup for the Vols, but bad matchups are a part of the game, especially in March. Tennessee is a team that is very good and has lots of upside, but the cohesion and development needs to happen over the next few weeks if this team wants to accomplish anything significant in the NCAA tournament. The good news is the Vols are entering a very manageable portion of their schedule, and wins should begin to stack up. Tennessee will host Texas A&M on Tuesday before visiting South Carolina on Saturday. Vanderbilt beat Georgia on Saturday to give the Commodores three wins in conference play this season, and that total matches their win total in each of Jerry Stackhouse's first two seasons at the helm. Stack began his tenure on West End going 4-23 and in SEC play through a year and a half. Vanderbilt is now, even though it doesn't sound great, 5-10 and in their last 15 conference games, and if you count the SEC tournament last year, they are 6-11 and against SEC opponents. It is not great, and it's not even that good but it is a clear and marked improvement from the first 27 games. The victory for the Commodores was also their 11th overall win of the season, which ties Stackhouse's best season total from his first year when Vanderbilt went 11-21. It is happening very slowly, but there is clear progress for Stack and company on West End. Unfortunately, Vandy is unlikely to build on either one of those two numbers this week, as they will travel to Lexington to take on Kentucky on Wednesday before hosting a ranked LSU team on Saturday. In other basketball news in the state, the Memphis Grizzlies continue to keep pace with both Phoenix and Golden State atop the Western Conference standings. John Morant and the Grizz swept a two-game weekend homestand against Utah and Washington on Friday and Saturday, respectively. Morant scored 30 against the Jazz and 34 against the Wizards, giving him six straight games of at least 30 points or more. Memphis has won three straight and pushed its record to 35-17 and on the season. They are a few games back of the Warriors for the two-seed in the conference. They are back on the court Monday night on the road against the 76ers. Tip time is 6 p.m. Central. The United States men's national team lost 2-0 in Game 2 of this three-game international break. Of course, they beat El Salvador on Thursday, and they will play Honduras on Wednesday. But the all-important heavyweight match against the Canadians after a 1-1 draw back in Nashville back in August resulted in a pretty disappointing showing by the men's national team. Christian Pulisic continues to be less than effective. They did not adjust to the surface. They could not put good crosses into the box. They could not finish anything on Thursday. They couldn't even get there on Sunday. And the Canadian team, frankly, two things here that are important. Number one, as a Nashville SC fan, I I do find it enjoyable to watch Alistair Johnston win, although it's much more difficult now that he's no longer a member of Nashville SC. So I can cheer for him one time. That's about it. I can be happy for him. Number two, CONCACAF soccer, North American, Central American soccer, will not be at its best unless Canada is very good. And I think it's a positive development for soccer in this hemisphere if the Canadian national team is up there with the United States team or even the Mexican national team. Obviously, we don't compete with South America, but if North and Central America could add a third power to the group of teams in this region, well, I think that's a good development for the United States. It's a good development for the continent, and it's a good development for soccer in our area. So while I hate the loss and it sucks and you know, I want to see this team clinch a spot in Cutter. I, I think it's important to note, hey, maybe there's a positive here with the Canadian national team being arguably the most improved team in the world in terms of national team soccer. So, uh, so on to Honduras, as they say. The 440 is brought to you by our wonderful friends, the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. They are Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm, and they are the only name you need to know if you're making a big decision about your house or your future house. 
Just check out their work. BuildKG.com is the website. Just talk to them. I guarantee you, you will be better off. That's the Kingston Group, BuildKG.com. Thank you guys all for listening. This is the 440. Please rate, review, subscribe, share the show. Just tell one person about it. I don't think that's asking too much. Again, thank you guys all for listening. This has been the 440 for Monday, January 31st. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.